Oh, the sweet, sweet, sweet sound of baseball. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to Nosebleeds, WFUV's exclusive baseball podcast. I am Dan Bartels alongside Will Talent, Will Jing, and Pat Amaturo behind the board getting ready to bring you guys the latest and the greatest in the, way, in the world of baseball today. So I don't want to waste any time. Let's get right into it. First episode of May. Happy Star Wars Day to you boys and May everyone else who celebrates. May the 4th be with you. Let's do it. Let's talk some baseball, guys. And uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, one month into the season now, so you can really kind of get a, a a glimpse of where these teams are going and who's you know going to slip and is it sustainable. We'll talk about that throughout these uh, themes that we'll run through today. But looking at these divisions, guys, is there anything that stands out to you that you know maybe you want to talk about early and often right here? Um, I can go first. I would sure. say. The Rays and the Pirates mm. really standing out. Um, I'll start off with the Rays. I mean, they were always good in the last few years, just never like this good. And just to to be off to a twenty five and six star, I'm pretty sure they they were like eleven and zero or something like that to start. Yeah, they were very good. To start. Um, something like that. Very very good. Um, sixteen and two at home. That's just even more impressive. Um, I don't know. I. Th- I think this is, I mean, especially right now, the favorite to win the World Series. And then over on the other side, I just, I didn't see the Pirates coming out of, out of nowhere like that. Um, they weren't, they definitely weren't nearly as good last season, but mm. um, they're also six and four in the last ten. So you got to take that into consideration. But also they're playing the Rays, so you have to also take into account that. But um, good on the Pirates for for uh, starting off twenty eleven. Yeah, and it's funny that they're playing each other, right? And they have a three-game series. The Rays have won the first two, 8-1 and 4-1, but the third game is actually being played right now, Zach Eflin versus Vince Velasquez. Um, but, yeah, Will, uh, how do you feel about the Pirates and the Rays in general? We'll start there. Um, well, I'll say this. Well, for the Rays, it was 13 in a row. They were they were unstoppable. Mm-hmm. They were quite the force in the beginning. They still are, 25-6. and six. They straight up have the best offense and best pitching average and ERA wise in Major League Baseball. Mm. No one can quite stop the Tampa Bay Rays right now. For the Pirates, um I'm not too high on the Pirates. I never really was. Their whole hype of being, what are they, twenty and ten, twenty and eleven. Yeah. They've lost three in a row since then. Um since being twenty and eight. But I, I just don't I don't buy I don't buy into the hype. You're down on O'Neill Cruz for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a great narrative and a nice story to have in the beginning it's like wow the pirates they were really going Mm. early on but it's going to come back to them as as the season goes along as we get down the stretch because it's so early like i said you you can't bank on the kind of play that you've seen so far this year in a full 162 with the roster that they have right now and you definitely can't given the fact that the pirates past two seasons have lost 100 plus games so if you really want to think, yeah, are they the team that's going to flip it around and you know become this out-of-nowhere team that can make a run, I don't think it's the Pirates this year. I really don't think they're sustainable. 
But you look at that NL Central division, and we should give our flowers to the Brewers too because with their pitching that they have, they're number one in baseball in defensive runs saved. And their offense, I mean, especially when they played the Mets, it was like 26-9 to they outscored them, just absolutely mashing the ball. That team, uh, it seems like every year in the NL Central, you got to look to the Brewers just based off their pitching. And they're 4-6 and six in their last 10. They're kind of just, you know, hanging around. That's really all you need to do in that division like the NL Central. The other team in the NL Central to me that's really, really shocking is the Cardinals. Yes. And the fact that they're 10-21 and 21 is almost unfathomable. It, it doesn't make sense. And I, the pitching staff alone has been very awful. And they were 10-19 in April. And I don't think... That is sustainable for the Cardinals, if we want to talk about that. I think they will flip it around, and I want to see what you guys have to say about that because Cardinals are every year. I mean, Yachty retires, and now it seems like the pitching staff is kind of falling at the wayside. So I don't know if there's a correlation between that, but definitely want to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, they, they've lost five in a row. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Dan, 10 and 19 in the month of April, 10 and 21 overall. Definitely my biggest shock. I'm not going to hop on the Pirates bandwagon. I'm not going to hop on the Rays bandwagon. Those are great stories. You could say big shock that the Rays have been so good and that the Pirates have been as good as they've been. But to me, it's more more impressive with how bad the Cardinals have been. Mm. It's the team that won the NL Central last year. They have continuously been the number one or number two team, either the division winner or a wild card team the last three, four seasons in a row now. Sure. 10-21, 10-21, and 21, you have the former National League MVP, the reigning National League MVP in Paul Goldschmidt. He's been playing pretty well. He's batting mm-hmm. 296 so far this year. Um, he has been fine. Arenado, his counterpart on the other side of the infield, not as great. Mm-hmm. 244, two home runs and just 14 RBIs. So I think a little bit um, of that, of Arenado's struggles, has to do with how poorly the Cardinals have been playing. But Dan, like you said, with Yadier Molina's absence being such a factor this year it's it's been on full blast almost with how bad the pitching has been they they simply have dug themselves into a hole they're 10 games back in may Mm. pitching is the key for the st louis cardinals the the starting rotation hasn't been all that they don't have a single pitcher with a with a winning record now yeah obviously record is kind of uh, obsolete nowadays for pitchers but when you're throwing when if you want to look at it face value you're throwing guys out there that aren't going to give you a win every single time and whether that's a, through a bad start or no offense there's no balance in this Cardinals roster and the absence of Yachty I think definitely has something to do with that but this is still a team with a lot of great talent and with a lot of teams that we're going to talk about today there's still a lot of baseball to be played and there's a couple things that you touched on I think the pitching is specifically very important because the Cardinals' top pitching prospect, Matthew Libertor, is leading AAA in strikeouts. So they have guys coming up the pike that can definitely get it done. And it seems like if you look at their starters, what, Jordan Montgomery, Steven, uh, Steven Matz, I might be forgetting someone Miles else. Miles Mikolas. Miles Mikolas. These are a lot of these guys are just free agent signings that they're picking up and expecting to, you know, Jordan Montgomery, I think I said him. But again, like you can't expect that a team that usually prides itself on defense and pitching being able to get it done at that level. And I think a lot of it, too, the Cardinals have had trouble developing guys, and we've seen this with Andrew Miller, Alex Reyes, you know, Michael Waka, if you want to say, and they have guys in their rotate, and they had guys in their organization. Sandy Alcantara was in their organization. Zach Gallen, who's now pitching amazing for the Diamondbacks. It's like it, they just let these guys go, and it's got to be a weird time if you're a Cardinals fan because, 
You know, it seems like the Cardinals are just living in this, like, conservative mindset these past 10 years, I'd say. And, yeah, it's worked to their credit. They've made the playoffs consistently, but I just don't want them to get left behind as the game's adapting. Yeah, I mean, I will also hop on this little pitching, I guess, bandwagon we have going on right now. Because, I mean, I'm looking at their their past few games. It doesn't seem like, yeah, sure, they have, you know, a couple times where they've been shut out. But for the most part, they've been putting up, you know, three, four runs at least, you mm-hmm. know, every single game. Sometimes they get they they get more than that. And but the problem is, like right now, I can give you the score. They're losing eleven to five in the oh, top of the sixth of the Angels. They gave up six runs last night to the Angels, five runs the night before that, six before that to the Dodgers. So it's just like a string of like, look, if you can get your pitching right and limit the other teams score then you can get by with those three four five run games that you're having and you know I I don't listen I don't know if they're going to turn it around because this is a really bad start compared to the 93 and 69 they had as their ending record last season um they're two and eight in the last 10 listen I just it's going to take a lot if they could turn around maybe I could see them maybe sneaking into the wild card if they really turn around by the end of the season but this is really looking pretty bad I think the predictions are great, but it's so early, though. Oh, absolutely. It's so early. Absolutely. I, I, this team is in last place right now. The Pittsburgh Pirates are the f- number one team in the NL Central. It is May 4th. Mm. I genuinely think that the St. Louis Cardinals are still going to find a way to win this division. I think so. I think this is a terrible start, obviously, and this is not what you want to see in May or or. or all of April, obviously, because that is such a hole that you have to dig yourself out of. But I I think everybody – this is the thing with sports, too. When it's so early in a season, everyone is um, – up on the on the first month narratives mm. up on the on the stories seeing what they have seeing what they've been given so far as a sample size and the thing with baseball is that baseball is a patient game you mm. have to be patient and that's with everything that goes into baseball so i would say just give 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 a little patience towards the st louis cardinals i think they start putting it together. I'm intrigued to see how Jack Flaherty's going to do. He's a guy that hasn't yep. pitched that much in the last three seasons, four seasons. Um, I would say give it, give it some time on the St. Louis Cardinals. Though. Don't write them off just yet. Definitely. I think that's 100% correct. And I just want to make a point here. This just was tweeted yesterday by Pat Schwindel. He was a relief pitcher who was with the St. Louis Cardinals organization. And he tweeted, he said this was a true story, and he said it was just yesterday. Our, dire- our director of player development for the Cardinals came to town and when, he, when I was playing for their system two years ago, he told us to stop trying to strike people out. Just throw fastballs down the middle and have the hitters on base or out on three pitches. Obviously, that method does not work. And that's just something that is clearly I've never heard of in the world of baseball ever for a pitcher, of a coach at that level telling professional you know, pitchers to just throw it down the middle like it's Little League. That could play into a reason. There might be some inner conflicts that the Cardinals are having in their organization right now, a lot of turnover. Again, like you said, Will, it's very early in the season. You know, we've seen April now. We've seen a month sample size. May, to me, is a real indicator. We'll, we will see at the end of May whether the Pirates are still here. We will see at the end of May if the Cardinals are still last place in the Central. I don't think that'll be the case. Again, we'll wait and see. One month is not a lot, but... Again, the NL Central, gotta you gotta really look at that division as one of the sneakier ones because it's really it it seems to be a toss up every year and I don't know. So I mean, but looking around, even just general 
like standings. You want to look at the NL West. We'll start there too. Uh, Dodgers running away with it, not running away with it, but they always seem to every year. But the Diamondbacks, one spot behind the Dodgers, which to me seems crazy. And the D-backs are solid. They they have youth. Like we said, Zach Gallen has seemed to be unhittable this year. Merrill Kelly, Corbin Carroll, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Christian Walk. I could go on. And even seasoned guys like Evan Longoria, Cattell Marte. D-backs might have something brewing. I don't want to say that they are, obviously, but 17 and 14 is a pretty good start. It's something you can't just, you know, scoff at. So, and OS going to be tricky, as it is every year. It seems like, you know, you got the Padres mixed in there. Like, what's going on with the Padres? Took took care of business, you know, here and there, but they're, they're not doing as well as we would have thought either. Giants, uh, I'm not too high on the Giants, but we will see. And uh, the Rockies. So, again... I'm going to it a little more, but the NL West, where, what do you guys see out of that? I'll go first. Um, I think that, you know, the Dodgers are, of course, always going to be there. Um, obviously, it's a good start to well, for the Diamondbacks, but, again, they're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. So, um, it's kind of like you guys said, you got to take it, you know, one step at a time and see if they can, you know, keep winning games uh, down the stretch of the season. Um, the Padres, I feel like they have this kind of – weird up and down t- type of nature you never really mm. know what you're gonna get with them 100%. um especially this year right i mean they're just all over the place yeah i mean a couple of years ago like you know they were you know they were doing really well um they had like you darvish and stuff like that going crazy and um you know they knocked out the mets last year in the playoffs and you know now here they are 17 15 only third in the west when i think a lot of us were expecting much better we were expecting them to at least kind of be more like what the dodgers are doing right now um I think they will be able to get uh, a little bit better um, as the season goes down the stretch. But ultimately, I think, you know, like every year, it's going to be the Dodgers here once again. Yeah, and the Dodgers, is the good thing about them, and I'll pass it to you, Well, the thing about the Dodgers that I've noticed, their team doesn't slump at the same time. That's never been the case for the Dodgers, and that's why I think they're so successful is, you know, Max Muncie will get picked up by, you know, anyone. It, it, it just, they, they're so in depth at what they're doing and I think that's a reason why the Dodgers continue to have sustained success every year. The Dodgers have the deepest I I, I think they they always have a the one of the deeper teams in baseball. Uh this year a little different story when you have Miggy Rojas as your shortstop as opposed to <laughs> Trey Turner. But still they're they're no knock on Miggy Rojas, you know, they're they're still playing good baseball. They're the number one team in the NL West right now. Only at nineteen and thirteen. That's the thing with early May baseball. It's so it's so difficult. It's it difficult is. to be like, yeah, this team is like, whoa, you they're know, legit, no one, right? No one truly separates themselves, in my opinion, until July. Yeah, when you get towards the trade deadline, you don't have real true separation. You can have an idea, but once those moves start being made, that's when you know. Uh, for the for the Diamondbacks, though, I had them at eighty four and seventy eight to begin this year, so. I I'm liking I'm I'm agreeing with what's going on yeah. I'm I'm saying I'm not standing there scratching my head like what's good with the Diamondbacks <laughs> no this team this team has a lot of young pieces that are good at the age that they're at meaning Corbin Carroll 21 22 years old just lighten it up He's very good. in the outfield for the Diamondbacks I would say probably a National League Rookie of the Year uh, favorite mm. if not top two top three. Uh, so the way that the Diamondbacks are playing, I'm not totally shocked. Um, the Padres, though, it, they're not they're not too far off from the Dodgers. So it 
I, I, I think the Padres, with Tatis coming back, he's been playing all right. Uh, not the, the Fernando Tatis that we've seen, uh, you know, light up the world in mm. the last few years. But I, it's going to come down to the Dodgers and, Dodgers and Padres. Uh, stay alert with the Diamondbacks, though. Yes. The Giants and, and Rockies, uh, the, the Rockies are just a terrible situation with Herman Marquez going down, Tommy John surgery, and offense that's just been so un believably miserable yeah. playing at the most hitter fr- friendly ballpark that <laughs> yeah. you can play at. Yeah. So I you can't even you can't even really count the Rockies in for much. The Giants, like I said, nothing really cooking at all there. So I would stay with the top three teams and I think the Diamondbacks will end up fizzling themselves out a little bit, but they'll be in the hunt enough. This is down to the Padres and Dodgers as as it was last year and it was the year before that. Um but like I said, keep an eye on the Diamondbacks. I think they have a really sneaky year. they got a lot of fun guys to watch. Yeah, and the main issue with the Padres was they couldn't hit the ball, especially to start the year. You look to Juan Soto, it seemed like it was taking him forever to even hit a home run. Yeah. And especially the games that really stuck out to me were the Mexico games. Uh, I believe they were last week. They played the Giants, the Padres. They won 16-11 and 6-4. It was actually a moment in time when the line of the game was going to be like 20 runs because there's just they were scoring it at will. And the reason for that, is we mentioned Coors Field. It's such a hitter-friendly ballpark. Where they played in Mexico, it's actually 7,000 feet of elevation. Mm. That's double Coors Field. Yeah. So that's, you know, and actually in one of those games, you saw the the powerfulness of that Padres lineup. They had four guys, Soto, Tatis, Bogarts, and Machado, all homered in that 16-11 to 11 game. So take it as you will, but the Padres are definitely a team to me, as the Mets fan that I am and everything that happened last year, they scare me. Definitely do, and I think too with that Mexico series, you have to look at it. It's nice with the production that they had, but it's one of those MLB events. You have the you have the juice ball factor coming in. They're playing in a foreign country, different kind of a neutral location. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that it's a it's a a PR event for MLB. The people that are at that event, they want to see action. So MLB took action Mm. that that's been the thing. You remember the London series, the amount of runs that were scored in that series. So. Um, the Padres, they, I, for the Mets, yeah, last year, Dan, it's a tough one, man. Not it's good. it's a we'll tough get one. We'll to that, but, jeez, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And Machado said, quote, just get the ball in the air when you're playing just Mexico. Get the ball in the air. Just get it in the air, man. And I don't know why the Rockies have such a problem getting the ball in the air where they play, but I digress. So we'll stick uh, into the NL, covered the Central, covered the West. Got to cover the East, of course. Uh, right now, the Braves, 21-10, and 10, seem to be the favorite. And then the teams below them, Miami, 16-15, and 15, the Mets, 16-15, and 15, Philly, 15-17, and 17, and the Nationals, 12-18. and 18. So, you know, yes, we say it's too early, and it always is until at least June. But especially in the NL, I think there's—can't count out St. Louis. I'm not even going to touch the NL Central, but— Washington, 12-18, and 18, sitting at the bottom of the NL East, I can safely say they probably will not be a playoff team. Colorado, probably not going to be a playoff team. Arizona, I would usually say that in other years, but not this year. So, again, very, very, a lot of toss-ups out there, but the NL East continues to be one of the more dominating divisions in baseball, and I really do think, like the AL East, we will talk about how all those teams are above 500. I think there's a chance, minus the Nationals, that we could see a four-team race in the NL East this year of all teams above 500. I mean, I think that, honestly, the Braves will probably stick at the top. Mm. But if we're talking about, like, wild card race, 
or something like that. I think that, you know, you could talk about the Marlins, Mets, and Phillies all be, all being in, um, you know, that race. And, you know, we were going to talk about the Mets, and, you know, I'll say this right now. You know, they're not doing so hot for the roster that they have, mm. you know, 2-8 and eight in their last 10. But this is one of those teams where, and just just to alert everyone who's listening, I'm not a Mets fan, I'm a Yankees fan, so mm-hmm. I'm not just, you know, biased here. I think the Mets can, you know, definitely turn that around. And then Phillies, of course, I mean, they just made it to the World Series. You you definitely can't count them out yet. Definitely not. I like that four-team over 500 take because I the Marlins, they're they're interesting. They're, they're interesting. They they're they're the very interesting roster construction um, because the rave has been about their pitching. Mm. Sandy Alcantara hasn't looked the same as last year, and all of their young guys, too, they haven't blossomed into these pitchers that they were touted to be. Now there's yeah. still some time. You look at Edward Cabrera, he he hasn't pitched. He hasn't he doesn't have the uh the service time under his belt. He hasn't thrown a lot. Mm-hmm. Um but a guy like Trevor Rogers, complete fall from grace for that guy. Yeah. He was awesome his in stuff his is rookie nasty, year. Yeah. He was an all-star. Uh, so with the Marlins though, their offense is very very spicy. You look at Luis Arias, oh, still gee. batting over 400. Leads in, the league. It's unbelievable. The, but over, and like 400 by a large margin. 432, yeah. I think his average is right now. Uh, that Their offense keeps them, uh, a guy like Arias keeps this team winning games. They, yeah. they, they're only 500. I think this is the Braves division to lose. Sorry, Dan, for the Mets. <laughs> but at, at the Mets, they, they will... We'll get to them in a little bit. They'll they'll pick it back up. I, I I like the Marlins. I like I like you pointing out the Marlins as them possibly being a a team that stays or floats around five hundred all year because I could see it. I could see it happening. If you can stay this consistent with some of your guys on offense, they'll squeeze out some games that'll lead them to an 81-81, maybe even better record. That's a good point about hanging around 500 because they play the Cubs and the D-backs their next two series. So those are going to be very good indicators of teams that are basically around their level to see, again, month of May, there's going to be a lot of movement, and you'll be able to see where teams really do stack up the more they play each other. And, yeah, Sandy Alcantara's been awful, 1-3 and with a 509 ERA. Not good. But Luis Arias, yeah. And the thing about that, you have to think about narratives in baseball, right, and what's going to happen. And they ban the shift, and that's out of the game. And there hasn't been a 400 hitter in the league for you know since Ted Williams, right? So is this a year that that comes back? Obviously, that's probably not going to happen. That most likely will not happen. But, again, you can't count out things like that because now there's no shift. You have a guy in two months into the year now still hitting over 400, like you said, Will, well over 400. So it's going to be interesting, and yeah, you can't count out the Braves in the NL East. Max Freed has not allowed a run in three starts since coming back off the IL. He's one of the best pitchers in that division. The Mets were one of the recipients of one of those great starts on his behalf. So Acuna leading the major leagues in stolen bases with 14. So many threats on the Braves' part. Miami's so sneaky. And the Phillies, I mean, you got you can't count them out either. I mean, the Dodgers just outscored them in their series 36-11. to so, you know, maybe see where they end up. But, yeah, the NL East, I could talk about the Mets all day, and we will. But it's going to be a tough division. I'm, I'm looking towards the Braves to really run away with it or try to at least. And, you know, I'm still not counting out the Phillies. They started off 0-4. At one point they were 4-9, and now they're 15-17. and So they're picking it up again. But, yeah, the NL, always a tough, tough, tough thing to call. And 
Now we look our sights towards the AL because the AL, there is a lot of conversations in the AL that we could be having. And let's just look um, specifically. I mean, we could go division by division. I'll start out in the AL West. I really do feel that uh, the Astros are going to probably win that division. Um, I think I don't need to have a college degree to let you know that. But, uh, you know, they six straight ALCSs. It's really unbelievable what they've been doing. And the other thing that shocks me, just getting up this thing, um, how good the Rangers have been. And the Rangers have really had a season this year where I think it is sustainable. And, you know, they're second in runs scored in the MLB. Doing this without Seager, their 10-year, $325 million man, making 35 mil this year. Granted, he is 7 to 10 days away from returning, but they've picked up the load without him. And Mitch Garver, too, another guy uh, on the IL. DeGrom on the IL. But I'm really liking what I'm seeing out of this Rangers team. And, you know, Jonah Heim, switch-hitting catcher. You don't see He's that. Great. He's very good. Nathaniel Lowe, underrated. And you obviously can't forget guys like Marcus Simeon. But the thing to me, the Mets have tried to do this, and I'll pass it to you guys after this, but something that I really do think more teams should be doing, and the Rangers are doing it and it's successful, is buying rotations. You bought Evaldi, you bought DeGrom, you bought Martin Martin Perez, Andrew Heaney you got the year before that, what, John Gray? So, I mean, you can go out there if you really want to and buy rotations and just it's working. I don't know why more teams don't do that, and it's working for the Rangers this year. I would say I I don't I'm not a huge fan of buying rotations. <laughs> my Steve Cohen in me definitely is, but that's just it's me. not well, working for the Mets. <laughs> yeah, if, no, if, if it works, it works. And I'll not. tell you, you could you could talk about Steve Cohen, but I'll I'll talk about buying rotations. The Yankees <laughs> they did the same thing. Yes, where, they did. Where you could say with Cole, but that that's not even what I'm getting at. In 2009, they won the World Series. Who did they sign that were huge contributors to that World Series team, C.C. Sabathia mm. and A.J. Burnett. Mm. What the Rangers are doing is fine, but you got Jacob deGrom, who's 34, and he might need Tommy John surgery. Yeah. So I'll see you when you're 36. Um, yeah. Nathan Avaldi is a, a solid starting pitcher. He has been for years. He was great with, with Boston. Don't have any complaints there because I love that contract, a two-year deal. That's the kind of pitchers that I look at when you're – uh, looking for free agents, unless you need an ace. The, uh, Nathan Evaldi, it's a great signing. John Gray, I, I, I've always been kind of iffy with John Gray. Yeah. Oh, I, they gave him a lot of money. They gave him four years, too, and he's always just been so, like, average. Mid, he's yeah. always been very average. And mm -hmm. Andrew Heaney has been the same exact way. He was a lot better last year. He's looked uh, pretty decent this year, too. Um, so, uh, actually, not really. I was, he hasn't looked that decent at all. There, he's had he had a start where he looked really well. Mm. He had uh, eight straight or nine. He's tied the American League record I think for so. consecutive strikeouts, or was it Degrom's MLB it record? Was, yeah, Degrom. Yeah, yeah, so that that that's what I saw about Andrew Heaney. So uh, buying rotations is very is very tough, especially it with is. how the Rangers have done it because they're not they didn't get young guys. They got guys that are in their mid to late thirties, in their prime, getting out of their prime. Their offense is their key here, and mm. obviously that has been of emphasis for the Rangers the last two off seasons. And you said, Dan, without Corey Seager, they've been fine. They're six games over five hundred. Mm -hmm. Jonah Heim is an excellent catcher. Very I think he's good, one of the man. better ones he's in baseball. Right, Josh Young, rookie third yep. baseman. He's been one of the best rookies in all of Major League 100%. Baseball. Uh, so, I I think this Rangers team, they're they're. Uh, 
the consensus on DeGrom is going to have a big impact on what we're going to see from them moving forward. We haven't really heard much. He's on the injured list. Haven't heard of any surgery or anything. So I think that is definitely the major factor in terms of what kind of success the Rangers are going to have. And Corey Seager is going to help a lot. But lose your ace, that's a big, big blow. Yeah, I mean, DeGrom's had Tommy John before, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, yeah, you can get it twice, but... I don't know what's good with DeGrom. I mean, DeGrom getting hurt, what else is new? I could sit here all day and talk to you about it. How many times he's gotten hurt, it's just so funny, too. He got hurt against the New York team, but I digress again. But, I mean, yeah, it, AL West is, uh, again, you want to write talk about teams you could write off? Bottom of the AL West, Oakland A's, see you later, 6-25, and 25, 194 winning percentage. That team's going nowhere. The only place they're going is probably L.A. to, you know, get out of Oakland because they are, like, I think I heard today, 2,000 fans at their game. That's basically what they average. So it's just not good. Not good scenes if you're an Oakland A's fan. Seattle Mariners, they're a good team. And one of the players that, to me, was a surprise player is Jared Kalanick. And he has been unbelievable this year. Um, He got off to an actually really good start, and he finally put things together after a pair of disappointing seasons that he had in 21 and 22. But the outfielder, he entered May. Seven home runs, 14 RBIs with a 982 OPS. So he's definitely probably one of the surprise players, the guy that was on the Mets and then the Diaz and Cano trade, Jay Bruce and, you know, all that. But, you know, Jared Kalanick, don't sleep on the Mariners because they were a playoff team last year, and I think they could be again. But, again, the AL West is shaping up very similar to the uh, AL, uh, a- NL East. Excuse me. A lot of good teams in that division, and, a lot of good teams that I really do think can make a run. You have the Angels, too. Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. Uh, Shohei Otani just became the second player to eclipse 500 strikeouts, 100 home runs, the other player being Babe Ruth. So there's just a lot of good things coming out of the AL West this year. I'm liking how it's shaping up. But, um, yeah, that's the AL West. We'll jump into the Central. There's a good good conversation here because the Twins, playing well despite their injuries. You know, Reds starting pitcher who they got, Tyler Malley, sent to the I.L. Kenta Maeda sent to the I.L. And then you have guys like Sonny Gray, pitcher of the month, leading the league in uh, ERA. It's really unbelievable from the Twins' perspective how they've been able to get things done. 17 and 14, they're just hanging around, but their division's pretty abysmal. Um, The Royals, 8 and 23. The White Sox, we'll get to. They've been awful. Yeah, they've won their past three games, one versus the Rays and two versus the Twins, but... Before that, they had a 10-game losing streak and lost 15 of their previous 17. So the White Sox fans are going through it. And especially because they had, I don't know if you guys saw, Lance Lynn had a no-hitter through six against the Rays, and then Wander Franco snapped it with a home run, and then they gave up 10 runs in that yeah. inning. So it was just like you can't get anything right if you're a uh, White Sox fan right now. Yeah, I mean, I think the personally, I think the Twins are going to run away with this division mm. uh, down the stretch just because – Again, just like they're not as good as the Rays, obviously this year, but they're just like kind of in, in a similar position where they're there every single year, basically wild card, whatever it is. Um, the Guardians are sometimes in the mix too, but I just, I mean, especially you know coming off the way that they played against the Yankees in the past few days, um, you know, just again the the Yankees are are a great team, you know, when they're at full strength, but they were not at full strength, and the Guardians still managed to drop two. Yeah. Um. In the last two nights, so after seeing that, I just don't know. You're playing a Judge and Stanton list Yankees. Um, you know. So 
I, I just don't see the Guardians keeping up with the Twins down the stretch. I think the Twins definitely run away with it. And maybe, just maybe, if, you know, if, and I really don't see this, but if the rest of the AL stinking it up, um, maybe they sneak in as a wild card. But given the, the AL East and West right now, I just don't see that happening. I don't buy the Twins. Mm. Honestly, mm. really don't think Sonny Gray is the best thing that they have in their pitching. <laughs> Jorge Lopez has, or um, excuse me, Pablo Lopez. They do have Jorge Lopez though. They mm. got him at the deadline last year. But um, Pablo Lopez was great in his first few starts and has kind of fizzled out a little bit. Um, Sonny Gray has really been locking down the pitching for that team. Their offense is very hit and miss. Uh, so thankfully, they have a top five pitching staff to carry them through i i really love the guardians here i I know they're 14 Mm. and 17 i know their bullpen hasn't looked the same their offense is still very just not great they they went out and they got power in in the offseason they got the mike zuninos they got the josh bells they needed the that home run um production and they weren't that they weren't getting they still haven't really gotten it yet but they're still only three games under the Guardians, to me, just they give me a vibe that they're a team that's just they're going to get hot at some point during the year, and it's yeah. going to separate them. The Twins don't give me that that flair feel. The Guardians are bringing back a very similar team to last year. Same with the Twins. So I get a very similar vibes from both teams. They 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 haven't changed all too much. I think the Guardians may have changed the most out of bo- out of the top two teams between in the American League Central. So I I don't really buy the Twins. I don't in in terms of making a push. I like the Guardians more so there. They're very the Guardians are also heavily reliant on their defense, and they have a, a very solid defense. They're 19th in in uh, K per nine in Major League Baseball. They don't strike out a lot of guys. They force guys to make contact. And um, I think that's a big part of their game, and it's something that they have gelled, something that they have solidified. I think this Guardians team, with that being said, is a little more complete than what the Twins have on paper and what they're showing right now. So I'm going to stick with the Guardians for this whole year. I'm going to back them. The White Sox, though, that's where this division gets very, very shocking. Yeah. 10 and 21. I had them at 89 wins this year and just missing the playoffs. I don't even see them no, sniffing the playoffs. Not at all. I I would I would love to say, yeah, you know, I I want to keep the same mindset as to it's just May. Let's be patient. I'm I'm so impatient with this White Sox team. I've been impatient and the same with their fans for the last two seasons. Yeah. A team that has put together a core so quickly and put a good Solid. I'm not going to say good. I'm going to say solid supporting cast around a core that hasn't developed. And then that supporting cast has gotten old and has just completely fallen off. I, when I say supporting cast, I'm meaning the Yasmani Grandals Mm. of that team that you come in, you're one of the best catchers in baseball. And then you've completely plateaued not even plateaued. You've bottomed out. They, They have all, all sorts of things going wrong on the south side of Chicago. Luis Robert, I don't know if you guys saw that, didn't hustle out that ground yeah. ball to the pitcher against the Rays. Pitcher was moving to his opposite side of the base and still threw Robert out. A guy who has good speed, a guy a guy who is known for being a very stud-like player and he's he hasn't played very stud-like and that kind of attitude and that performance 
has just shown through the entire team. Their their whole team is depleted. The whole team. 100%. Their fans are definitely feeling it. And Luis Roberts, I'm glad you said that. He said that previous night before that he felt his hamstring tighten up, but he didn't communicate it. And he probably told the other Latin players and Elvis Andrus and Juan Makata. But again, you have to remember there's different dichotomies in each clubhouse. There's different things. Communication isn't always, you know, passed around. See, that's the problem, though. They're all right. over the place. And then the manager, you know, he's sitting there with, you know, twiddling his thumbs, and he's made out to look like this guy. And then do you bench him? Do you not? You don't know what to do. And then it's just funny. He hits three home run, uh, three run home yeah. run last night. Yeah, so he did. He's just, it's crazy that White Sox, I don't even know where to begin with that. And I'm not going to because uh, we will see. It's only May. We'll get into the more nuanced things as the year goes on. And lastly, wrapping it up, the AL East, and then we'll jump into the Yankees. Uh, AL East, Red Sox, Sale had a bounce back start last outing, six and a third, three hits, one run, five Ks. Red Sox said they were fixing his mechanical issues and wanted him to be more loose and less robotic. I don't know about you guys, but I don't really see Sale as a robotic pitcher. He's always been pretty loose. He's one of the most free-flowing, weird arm angles. I was just going to say the same thing. He's not robotic, but, you know, I digress. And the Red Sox, they're going for their four-game streak of the Blue Jays today. Blue Jays have been a very good team, and they seem to be hitting their strides too. We talk about... You know, I could go on and say all these teams are going to finish above 500, but if we want to talk about a division that has the best chance, it might be the AL East from top to bottom. Not having a team that's not going to do well. You know, the Yankees are 17-15 and 15 in fifth place. It's like, that doesn't happen. And, yes, it's early, but, you know, Red Sox, I really do. I, I like Yoshida. He's on a 13-game hit streak. Devers has 10 home runs. Tristan Casas, I'm sure they want to see more out of him, but had a three-hit game yesterday. You know, there's a lot of things going into this AL East team, but the one thing that's really weird is the Yankees, 17 and 15, and at the bottom of it. Yeah, I mean, I think that just obviously, you know, Judge and Stanton not being there uh, is going to hurt, but um, I just, I don't know. I mean, I was actually at the Yankees Guardians game a couple of nights ago, and just mm. to see Garrett Cole just, I don't know, he just was not playing that great. Uh, they only gave up two runs, but just, you know, from, from, the, the standpoint it wasn't like a it wasn't a pretty two runs it was it, it, it got pretty ugly at certain points and um I think that's going to be a problem for the Yankees as it is every year down the stretch just you know with um pitching consistency I, I think that seems to always be you know um a problem and then just you know even when they are healthy they I don't know come playoff time it's it always becomes a problem you know judge can't hit Stanton can't hit DJ can't hit um so it's just I think that they definitely will, you know, become the Yankees that we kind of know more to be, you know, as as we get more deeper into the season. Um, but I just, I, I, I have my doubts when it comes to going past, you know, you know, the first couple rounds of the playoffs. I 100% agree. And it's just weird to see the Yankees. If you told a Yankees fan, you know, 17 and 15, you'll be in fifth place. You're above 500. They'd say, oh, okay, we'll iron out the kinks and move on. But compared to last season, well, what you guys start out, what, 52 and 20 or something? Yeah. A was, historical a start. Unbelievable. It's just a total contrast between the two. And I'm sure Yankee fans are trying to figure out what's going on. They have a lot of injuries they got to take care of. But, Will, uh, what do you see right now? In the Yankees, I see one of the worst offenses in all of baseball, with mm. or without Aaron Judge. I see one of I see a great pitching staff outside of three of their starters, so that's not that's not too great. Garrett Cole obviously has been the highlight. He has yeah. been the standout for the Yankees, American League Pitcher of the Month, pretty much keeping them afloat. He's seven and zero every time that they take the mound, or every time he takes the mound, and they 
he's the they're seriously under 500 I think they're 10 they won yesterday he didn't pitch so they're 10 and 15 in games that he doesn't start so that obviously needs to change and how unfortunately that is a result of the kind of injuries that plague them late in spring training and we're seeing the results colors Rodon goes out uh he's not going to be back until may he has um i mean until probably june he Mm. has his back problem a setback to his elbow injury that he's recovering from Luis Severino, too, and yeah, he's he's, he's got his hands tied. (laughs) He's got his hands tied. Uh, Luis Severino is actually starting a rehab assignment today, Mm. and then Harrison Bader comes back and instantly collides with Isaiah Kiner Falefa, a guy that you're trying to get back into this lineup, and specifically for his defense too. But that that's what he's known for. But this offense has been so silent that sure you'll take Harrison Bader's bat, which is excuse me compared to league average isn't great but it's better than what the Yankees have been putting out there every day um I think Boone this is a very this is a very Boone thing to do in April it's uh questionable decisions specifically with the pitching last year it was more so the lineup this year it's with the pitching yeah yesterday's a prime example of that Ron Marinaccio it's a 2-2 game he has 23 pitches in an inning and two-thirds it's very good mm-hmm. takes him out with two-thirds in the ninth inning um with two outs in the ninth inning Clay Holmes immediately gives up a run to give the Guardians a lead. Thankfully, the Yankees came back and won. But Boone's decision-making on the mound um, when it comes to his pitching is just so just not there. I think it has a lot to do with part of why they're losing as much. But it's it's one of those periods where everybody just doesn't seem to have it right now. So for the Yankees, I don't think there's any reason to panic this is the only division in baseball with a with every team having yeah. a positive run differential and it's the only division in baseball where everybody is over 500 the yankees are still on pace to have a very good season and uh in terms of the rest of the division it, it's all going to be a dogfight yeah. for the red sox it's going to come down to their pitching you bring up you bring up chris sale dan i i think overall for the red sox he's the leader so i just mentioned him I, I, I'm not confident in that pitching. I'm more so confident in the offense. Look at Alex Verdugo and mm, oh yeah, um, Masataka Yoshida. They have been great. Devers has been pretty good. He hasn't been the Devers that we saw last May, mm-hmm. a year ago. But um, double-digit home runs. Their, yeah. offense is, their offense is very good. The, the Orioles have been fantastic. Their young guys have been really stepping up and playing um, to the same level that they were last year. The Blue Jays. Not the powerhouse offense that we've seen or that we've heard of mm-hmm. so far. They've had some good guys. They're um, 18 and 13, so you can't really complain there. But their pitching has been really bad. Yeah, Gosman. Outside of Gosman, there has there isn't a single pitcher with a sub three ERA, and that includes Alec Manoa and Jose Barrios and former Met Chris Bassett. Those mm-hmm. are three really good starting pitchers. for a rotation so that should be better. I think overall, the American League East is the division to watch this year, though. Um, yeah. And you're 100% right. And the Yankees, Peraza, too, at the end of the game. He was, what, yeah. pinch running for Rizzo? And he got hit with um, the ball, with the throw, but I don't think it was on the throw. I think it was on the run. He was, like, halfway to second base, and he started to stumble a little bit. I think he may have um, felt something in his lower half. Um, then he didn't slide either, which I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Um and was immediately taken out of the game. I think the ball hit him on the same leg where he felt the discomfort. So he's that leg is just completely, it's it's it just it's done. So he comes out of the game, 
that's just another injury for the Yankees. It's another part of their depth, another part of their bench that just goes by the wayside. Aaron Hicks has to fight to get into this lineup, and oh, that, that that's how it should be. But Aaron Hicks yeah. always finds a way where he doesn't have to fight. Yeah. He, Oswald <laughs> Peraza comes in to pinch hit or to pinch run, and Aaron Hicks still finds a way into the game to be the second pinch runner. It, so it, I just thought that was funny from yesterday's game. But overall, the American League East, we'll talk about the Yankees a little more in a second, but mm. American League East is has been very fun, and it's going to continue to be very fun. Close out uh, Blue Jays-Red Sox with that series today, and then the Rays and Yankees play for, Rays and Yankees play for the first time starting tomorrow. So It's very interesting. And shout-out to the Orioles, too. We have not mentioned them, but they are a very good team, very young. And a lot of talent. and Really starting to break out. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I'm very, very excited to see what the Orioles do. Not not only this year, but for years to come because they, they will be a problem. But, yeah, the Yankees, we'll touch on that. They, Cashman, he has those um, kind of like state of the unions, if you will. He just, you know, meets the media. And he had one of those uh, interviews yesterday. And he said, and I quote, injuries happen. And ultimately, we're getting a lot of injuries right now. And that's certainly killing us. But I have nothing. I can convict others other than if you want me to convict somebody, convict me. This is my responsibility. So Cashman's putting it on him, and I don't think you should. I think that's just not the good route to take. Yes, you can take accountability, but the injuries are out of your concern. You you, you put guys on the field, and it's out of your control what you can really do. And another question you got asked were, were there deals in the offseason that you left on the table that, should, that could have helped the team now and didn't? And... He said no. I mean, we were looking and we tried to have a we tried to deal from an area of strength in the infield, but that we didn't get the right value for it in the offseason. He also said, Don't give up on us, don't count us out. So I'm not counting out the Yankees. I, I never do. I'm not either. You know? Um, there's no there's no need. This team is still very strong. Absolutely. With a lot of reinforcements coming on the way. Um I think with Brian Cashman, I think to a certain extent, Dan, you do have to if you're him, you gotta put it on yourself because I guess. The, uh, you you have to look at it this way. This is this guy and this front office has been running back the same type of player, whether it's the same exact player mm-hmm. or the same structure of a lineup, of a rotation, for six years. For six years. And they haven't done anything. They've mm-hmm. avoided... They, they're, if you look at a list, you look at a list, you look at a grocery list, you have three things you, you got to get. Mm-hmm. The Yankees are the, are the type of people to just not get one of the three <laughs> things for whatever reason. You have one, you have, I don't know, milk, cheese, and bread. Cookie, but bread. bread, yeah, yeah, sure. And they just don't get the cheese, but they get the milk and the bread. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, if you, we're going to look at the postseason because that's how it is with the Yankees and the Astros when it comes, um, and what we're talking about now, where we see these teams' overall predictions. If you want to go, if you want to look at another repeat, the Yankees just, Signing Carlos Rodon didn't make them better than what the Astros already had. Yep. It may have bought them a game. It may have bought them a win. But the Yankees avoid what they need to get. They needed a they a needed bat. a bat. Yeah. They needed a bat so bad more than they needed a pitcher. Turns out they did ended they ended up needing a pitcher. He got hurt, and then everyone else around him got hurt. So they needed more than just one pitcher. But when it was the offseason, they needed a bat more than they needed Rodon. And that's showing. That 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 is showing. It's they 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 definitely needed starting pitching help, pitching help in general. You can never have enough pitching, but they completely navigated around the fact that there is a gaping hole in left field, and they did yep. that all year long. And to Cashman's defense, sure, if the right deal wasn't there, 
you're not going to pull the trigger. You can't no. do that, especially what they have in place. They can't just sell things off whenever Absolutely. they whenever they Luis Castillo, Pablo Lopez, they wanted to and they couldn't. They get couldn't him, do so it. It's just got to move on. You got to move on. So I think the Yankees just if they want any change in this kind of play for and I'm not talking about for this year, but I'm talking about in the time of Aaron Judge. They need to attack every area that is a weakness in the offseason and, and, like, full-blown. They can't just go, ah, we'll sign this guy to a minor league deal and this guy right. to a minor league deal to make up for that issue. But we'll go big on one position that we don't really need. I mean, shout-out Jake Bowers, too, at his first home run yesterday. You want to talk he about did. guys you're just bringing up from AAA? I mean, that, that's a guy right there. you you, you got to look. With Judge Hurt especially, you got to rely on vets such as, you know, Rizzo and DJ and Glaber, but... There's unsung guys too, Willie Calhoun, Bowers. Like, these are guys that you really have to either have step up in the big moments, which Bowers did yesterday. You guys got the series win right over the Guardians. So, and Trevino too. Shout out him. But of course, I mean, it's just you gotta collectively put it over a season, and that's something that the Yankees have to do. It's consistency, and that's a big problem with the Mets. They're not consistent. Yeah. And. You know, it's just the nature of the game. Just, I think it's just consistency, like like you said, just um, you know, all around consistency, and also, uh, can you even be even a little bit consistent in the playoffs? Because the Yankees are not, especially when it comes to the ALCS. It's just from there, it's just choke, 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 and it's like, look, you, if the you know, at least, geez, at least be a shell of what you were in the regular season. I mean, the Yankees do that every year. It seems, you know, come postseason, and. I'm gonna put a, put this person on blast, Aaron Judge. Mm. He's never, you know, he's never Aaron Judge of the regular season. Come time to play the Astros, and yeah. maybe you avoid the Astros this season if you if you make it that far. You know, maybe you know this team is not as good as it you know, was in the past. You know, losing Verlander, but um, you know, again, it's just are they even gonna get there? And if they make it, can they be at least somewhat consistent and stay healthy? I think that's a good point because I think they might have missed their window last year of being able to do it because now the rest of the league's picking up. I and mean, DJ's not not as good as anymore. Yeah, he's DJ's been, been on a pretty pretty well this year. This yeah, year but he's been, been on a decline since you know since what was it twenty nineteen twenty twenty or something. Yeah, twenty twenty yeah. won the batting title. He was he was awesome. He's been playing all right, but yeah, he he's Just, older now. He signed that big deal and um, he's been hurt more. Yeah. Um, but to what you were saying, Dan, that's a that's a point that I missed before Jake Bowers Willie Calhoun the Matt Carpenters of the world the Mike Talkmans I can name names of guys like that because there's a guy there are guys on the Yankees every year that are like that I'm gonna put that in Carpenter given his sample size last year was one of the best hitters there's exactly like they always have that kind of guy but here's my thing the every year it shouldn't always be that story Mm. it shouldn't always be who's gonna be the cash god fine that's right why? Why do we yeah. always need a find? Mm-hmm. There, a find should be, wow, th- this guy was the little bump that we needed outside of our main people. Preferably a homegrown guy, too, because yeah. the Yankees love uh, to even, do that. But even like a little journeyman guy that is looking to get a contract that isn't hit quite the same guy. Because the Yankees are good at that. They're good at taking guys in and then putting them on the field and building their stock back not only for their own team but for themselves Mm. they build the stock for themselves to be either shipped somewhere or like what matt carpenter did you get 12 million dollars a year after (laughs) signing the league minimum and after tearing it up as well but that's that's one thing as a yankee fan personally and just watching this team for years and years i'm tired of seeing that guy that comes out and is like 
oh, they signed him to a minor league deal and he's the best player on the team. Mm. I'm tired of that. I'm re- I really am. Those kind of guys need to start becoming these are the guys that we love because they're so they're such good role guys. They complement our stars. They should not be starting over our stars because our stars are incapable of doing so. Very true. Very true. An update on Judge uh, should be back. What next ten days? He's taking About, swings. So yeah, taking some swings with that uh, hip that he's had problems problems with. So Yankees got some problems, but I am sure they will figure it out. And on the other side of town, we cannot be a New York radio station and not talk about the New York Mets. Um, Sixteen and fifteen on the year, currently playing the Tigers and losing. Um, but again, minus 22 run differential Mets two and eight in their last 10. Their big problem has been starting pitching and getting length. And I'm going to read off some things and these are not good stats. Innings per start 4.9. That's tied for 26th ERA 5.56 25th in the league whip 1.53. That's 27th in the league opponent average 263 20th in the league walks per nine, four and a half. That's 30th in the league and quality starts out of the Mets starting pitchers four. That is tied for 28th worst in the league. And they have also allowed 33 home runs. That is tied for second most in the MLB. Okay, so Mets got Verlander back today. That's nice. They are currently losing 2-0, I believe, if things have not changed. They lost. They ended up losing the game. Swept by the Tigers. That is great news to hear live on air. Um, But anyway, yeah, Verlander came back today. Clearly was not himself. Um, was faced by Eduardo Rodriguez, who averages six and a third innings pitch. That is tied for seventh in the AL. Riley Green and Javi Baez went back-to-back on him today. Not a good start if you're Verlander. Not a good start yesterday if you are Scherzer. Uh, Scherzer, per Evan Roberts, in his first 22 starts as a Met, Scherzer has allowed 11 home runs and pitched to a 2.13 ERA. And in his last seven starts, he's allowed 12 home runs and pitched to a 5.72 ERA. Mm. So... The two top guys, the two top dogs, right, for the Mets, Scherzer and Verlander, we have not seen them pitch together until yesterday and today for the first time. And going into the season as a Mets fan, you would think that that would be the best thing that could happen is having these two future Hall of Famers at the top of your lineup, rotation, whatever, and it just hasn't happened. And Carlos Carrasco, out since April 15th. We we have injuries from starting pitching, and that's something that, Specifically, our bullpen's been okay, but there's guys, too, like David Peterson getting these spot starts. I don't think he's going to be a starter at all for the rest of the—he the, hasn't done anything. It's going to be Tyler McGill. It was it was that diversion of who's going to get it, McGill or Peterson. I think it's going to McGill. And the Mets, yes, they're in a tough stretch. They've barely been able to play some of these games. They've had rainouts. Saturday and Sunday were postponed. They had a doubleheader on Monday. Wednesday, a five-inning game or whatever it was, like— you know, lost two out of three to Atlanta, two swept by Detroit, and then two out of three to Washington. It's like, it's a tough time. Yes, Will, we talked about it. It's, it's still early in the year, and I'll get to the Mets' offense in a second, but um, the Mets' relievers have been pretty good. I will give it to them. Uh, shout out David Robertson. He's been amazing. 13 and one-thirds innings pitched, 18 strikeouts, .68 ERA, .75 whips, six saves, picking right up where Diaz left off. Obviously, if you've been following baseball, you know about the Edwin Diaz situation. He's not pitching this year, or at least until late into the end of the year. It seems like he's progressing pretty quickly, but again, you don't want to rush that. Pitching's just something the Mets have tried to pride themselves on these past couple years, and they've got two future Hall of Famers, and 
you want to go out and win that ring, but it's just not looking like it this year. I mean, so far. Uh, yeah, I was I was gonna say that you know it, it may not look like they're gonna win the ring right now, but I mean I do feel like considering it's Verlander and you know Scherzer and then potentially Edwin Diaz coming back towards the end of the season, and you have some you know you still have some good bats in that lineup for sure. You know, obviously um, the the big name is Pete Alonso. Mm. I, I wouldn't count the Mets out just yet. I think they they oh, still definitely, have, definitely have a shot to make it you know deep into the playoffs. Um, the only problem is, listen, as we said before, there's a lot of good teams in baseball. You know, like the Dodgers are going to be there. The Padres, the team that eliminated them, is probably going to be there. Um, you know, whether it's uh, I forgot who we talked about in the NL Central. Um, if you could remind me, uh, I know we talked about the Cardinals and Brewers. Uh, uh, the Brewers, the, Brewers, yeah. the uh, the Pirates, if they somehow keep it up, I mean, yes. you, you still have to worry about the Braves, the the Phillies, you know, who just went to the the, the World Series. So, um, they're they're definitely still a top team, with, you know, one of the one of the better rosters in baseball. But, um, for them, it, I feel like for them, it's it's not so much about consistency as it is with the Yankees because they're uh, I wouldn't say they're they're ever really as good as the Yankees in the regular season. Not not that I've seen. Uh, for them, it's more about getting there. And then mm. staying there, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think getting there and staying there is definitely something that's a nice theme, nice segue. Because there's guys that are going to get there and stay there. I say that in Brett Beatty, he has been unbelievable this year. One of the top prospects in baseball, not the top prospect in baseball. That's Francisco Alvarez, but he's been amazing too. Beatty has been nothing short of excellent, and he sh- should have been the opening day third baseman. But that's whatever. I mean. Take he should have been. Yeah. Then 11, 11 games versus righties, seven games versus lefties, 964 versus 904 OPS. It's He's been raking and 387 average and 320 for Alvarez, respectively. These two guys have been playing well. And the problem with Beatty coming into the league was could he play defense and could he get a tag down in time? And there were so many issues. And, and he's really seemed to find a way to work out those flaws and iron out those kinks. And he's been able to do it at an unbelievable rate. And every batted ball he had in the last game of that doubleheader versus the Braves, everyone was north of 100 except one miles mm-hmm. per hour off the bat. He is a guy, we talk about the NFL draft, you want to see what someone is capable of doing. I think Brett Beatty is very capable of potentially being one of the third or fourth best hitter on this Mets team by the time the season is over. Because you're looking to guys like Canis, 229, 319 on base percentage, three home runs. Vogelback, yeah, you want more power. He could be an 18 to 24 home run guy. But if he's getting on base at like a, a 430 clip, he's just passing the baton to no one because Luis Guillorme, Mark Canna, these guys aren't picking it up. Yeah, I like Beatty. I like I liked him last year. Uh, Escobar kind of tie- handcuffs Beatty's situation a little bit, and that's what's tough. When you got someone, when, when you got Steve Cohen who can literally just, and he's done it, there's a problem. Just write the check. That's right. Pay pay it off. Yeah. Could pay pay Escobar off. Put him over at third base, and we got ourselves a third baseman. But then that stunts the development of guys like Beatty and then Alvarez too. They went out and they got um, Omar Narvaez this year. They lost yep. McCann, but um, Narvaez is not a bad catcher. You have Nito too. Yeah. But um, Beatty and Alvarez are guys that should not um, have to fight for a position because of the dollar bill. Mm-hmm. Brett Beatty should be up starting over Escobar no matter what the, the the situation is. He's looked great. I I have no problem with his defense. I think that is something that he will end up figuring out as time goes on. And I like that take him being the fourth best hitter on the Mets down the stretch. I like that. I could totally see that happening. He's going to have to uh, there are a couple guys that are going to have to have 
uh, a little bit of little down years like Nimmo and Marte. Mm-hmm. I think the three guys that he doesn't touch um, are McNeil, Alonzo, and Lindor. Yeah. But just the fact that we're having this conversation, right? That he's been playing that well—that's mm-hmm. a good sign. And I, I, I have faith in the Mets. It's—we've said this the whole entire show. It is so early in the season. The Mets are thirty-two games in. Most teams are thirty to thirty-two games in. And if you're a fan of the Mets, uh, you, you can attest to this, Dan. I'm not even a fan of the Mets, and I'm really not all that concerned. Yeah. So I just think a couple more things we could touch on quickly about the Mets. Um, their bullpen—it has been up and down. Tommy Hunter, two hits, three runs versus uh, the Nationals, and then came back. Another five-run, five-hit game versus the Brewers. So he's been up and down, I think, a lot of what the Mets, again, we talk about consistency. Denny Reyes, John Curtis, Steven Agosik, these guys in their bullpen, a lot of them are guys that you're not going to see in the playoffs. And it's a very big turnover from last year. Guys like Drew Smith are hurt, one of the best relievers that we have. Adam Adovino hasn't pitched very well. I know you guys remember him. But, again, one of the things that gives me hope is different from last year. The Mets have Strider's number. And that might be kind of weird to say, but, you know, he pitched against us five innings pitch, five hits, four runs, eight Ks, but three walks. I mean, but he let up four runs. That's something that did not happen last year every time we faced Strider. Excuse me. So, you know, there's got to be some things you look out for and things that are different from previous years that can, you know, allude to maybe better things to come. But I I don't know, man. You, You look, Pete Alonso started off one of the best hitters in the league he still is he's tied for second in MLB with home runs behind Patrick Wisdom and Max Muncy but again you, you can't rely all on one person and you know that's really what it's going to come down to the Mets coming upcoming schedule Rockies Reds and Nationals so if you want to make up ground now is the time to do it and you know try to catch up on the Braves who seem to be playing really well right now and uh yeah that is about it from Nosebleeds I am Dan Bartels Alongside Will Talent, Will Jing, and Pat Amaturo behind the board. Nosebleeds is a production of WFUV Sports.